reading is taken from St. Mark's chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. The calling of Levi. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy uh, who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Well normally I'd pray at this point but I think we just all pray together rather beautifully. So I'm just going to dive straight in. So we're going to continue our journey through Mark today. Um, We come to a passage where Jesus uh, declares he's come not to call the righteous but sinners. But there's also so much more in these verses um, leading up to that final statement. So I'm going to invite you to journey with me as we explore them. I've realised I'm getting old, or older. Um, I've been a Christian now, I've realised, for nearly 45 years. Um, I've read most of the Bible at least four times, uh, perhaps with the exception of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, and the New Testament, obviously a lot more than that. But do you ever look at a passage that you've read countless times before, and then something just leaps out at you, and you think, I've never seen that before. Well, that happened to me when I was preparing this, so I think there's something quite good to look at here today. Now, the passage is only five verses long. You'd think this sermon would take about four minutes. It's not going to. Now, last week, we heard that Jesus had returned to Capernaum, um, which tended to be his base for the early part of his ministry, and had healed the paralysed man, having first declared forgiveness of his sins. Now, as we saw, this did not go down well with the teachers of the law. Today's passage takes place in the gospel immediately after this. Now, whether it was the same day, the next day, the same week, or even longer, we're not told. Mark tends to um, write his gospel at pace, and events move quickly. Even though of all the gospels, if you want to read the whole story, it is the most chronological. The pace and timeline also makes it probably the easiest gospel to read in a single session. 
Well, if you don't actually want to read it, I can heartily recommend the wonderful um, rendition by David Suchet. Now, you'll find the link on your service sheets. There's a QR code and there's a, um, an email address as well. Um, but I digress a bit. Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee and comes across this tax collector, Levi. Now, several trade routes um, connected at Capernaum from places as far away as Egypt in the southwest and Mesopotamia, north a bit. And it was a base for a Roman military garrison. It was a prime location for demanding taxes from all and sundry who walked by. It will come as no surprise that the taxes that the Romans imposed were hated. And those who collected those taxes were utterly despised. Now, the collection of taxes was contracted out to private tax collectors. A tax collector paid for the tax for his whole territory, whether it be big or small, paid for it up front, and then collected the taxes from the populace later. It could be very profitable. He had to charge more than the taxes were in order to make a living. And the tax collector pocketed any markup. So the, for the Romans, it was a very um, politically sensitive work, but it led to a high rate of effective tax. But it opened the doors to all sorts of abuse and corruption. Now, nobody likes having to pay tax, be honest. None of us do, really. But for the Jews, the tax collectors were perceived as collaborators, extortionists, and above all, sinners. Now, whilst it was lucrative work, the personal and social cost of being a Jewish tax collector was high. Socially, they were rejected and ostracised. Politically, they were regarded as traitors. Religiously, they were excommunicated as apostates. Tax collectors, and I didn't realise this before, were not allowed to hold any office of community responsibility. They were not allowed to testify in the courts. Rabbis even debated whether it was possible for a tax collector to experience true repentance. And then along comes Jesus. In the middle of teaching, he's walking along and he comes across Levi and simply calls him to follow him. That simple act of itself was remarkable because he acknowledged Levi as a person of worth just by talking to him. We are told that Levi got up and followed him. So what was it about Jesus that would prompt someone to simply leave everything behind? Now, had Levi heard about what Jesus had done, the miracles he'd already performed, or heard some of his teachings? Well, we're not actually told. But when face to face with Jesus, Levi responds immediately. Now, as an aside, and this gets quite confusing, he's also known as Matthew. Now, most scholars, not all, there's some very 
intellectual debates about it, but most scholars believe that he was the same person who wrote the gospel of the same name. And for clarity, I said it was confusing, whilst Levi is referred to as the son of Alphaeus, he's not thought to be the brother of James, is also referred to as the son of Alphaeus. Now, there's an almost identical um, account of this calling in Luke chapter 5, where he is called Levi. But in Matthew chapter 9, he's actually called Matthew. So, what happens next? And this was one of the things that suddenly struck me when I was looking at this passage. We read that while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Now, how many times do we come across passages where Jesus is sitting down and eating with people, either being invited, or sometimes even inviting himself, as he did with Zacchaeus, another tax collector? But it wasn't just with Levi or Matthew. No, it was a bit of a party. We learn that many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him. Now, hospitality is a gift. And here we see Levi hosting not only Jesus, but his disciples, his fellow tax collectors, and other sinners, which could be a whole host of people, we're not told, but they probably didn't satisfy the Jewish religious requirements. Jesus showed that hospitality and generosity are godly characteristics available to all, not just limited to those who have the money to do so. But also note that Levi could not wait to share with his fellow tax collectors his experience of Jesus and for them to know what he had also found out. He didn't wait until he'd been a follower for many years or had learnt more about Jesus. He spent many years studying writings in order to understand what following him meant. No, Levi jumped straight in with both feet. And I think there's a big lesson for us there. Everyone can witness for Jesus. But it also struck me, and this was the other thing, because he had been socially ostracised, his community was made up of his colleagues and other sinners, in other words, the relationships were based on the fact they worked together. And because they had normal, sorry, because they had limited relationships within normal social structures. Now, for many people in our frenetic world, where work is the centre of many people's lives, the opportunity to share the gospel may be easier with our colleagues than with our neighbours the hospitality of lunch with a colleague or a shared drink after work can build deeper relationships with our co-workers. Of course, these friendships have lasting value in and of themselves just by building the friendships. But through them, the Holy Spirit may open the door to a kind of friendship evangelism. So moving on, Mark then tells us that yet again, the Pharisees, or in some readings, scribes of the Pharisees, were not happy. Well, there's a surprise. And they inquired why Jesus was eating with with these people. Now, Jesus hears this and replies with one of his unique and challenging sayings 
It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now, Jesus was not saying that the Pharisees were righteous. In fact, they were far from it. The point is they thought they were righteous before God. In other words, they did not recognise the need for healing. Their religious zeal, rites, rituals and scrupulous following of the myriad of laws, they thought, set them apart and made them acceptable to God. They could not see and did not accept that they needed the help of a healer. Tom Wright also makes a very good point in his commentary on Matthew, and I'm going to quote this. Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Because while other religious leaders of the day saw their task as being to keep themselves in quarantine, away from possible sources of moral and spiritual infection, Jesus saw himself as a doctor who'd come to heal the sick. There's no point in a doctor staying in quarantine. He'll never be able to do his job. Now, I'm no doctor. And I know there are several medical professions in our congregation, so please bear with me. But what does a doctor do? Well, first of all, a doctor diagnoses the problem. In this case, the problem is simple. It's sin. And that is the sin that is inherent in every human being since Adam and results in separation from God and a broken relationship with the Creator. Now, sin is an uncomfortable word. In our world of relativism, it reeks of condemnation and judgmentalism. So we try to redefine it and make it more acceptable. We don't like to hear it. We can feel a bit embarrassed by saying it. But we ignore the problem or the diagnosis at our peril. So what's the prognosis? Well, without the intervention of a healer, the prognosis is not good. It's not something that's going to get better by itself. In fact, it's terminal. The scripture tells us over and over again that sin leads to death and destruction because there are consequences for going against God and how he designed us to live. And now, there are all kinds of effects of sin in our lives. It can have a physical impact depending on what choices you make or battle with. It can be emotional, where people feel empty, hopeless and broken. But the most common consequence of sin, and what Jesus is referring to today, is spiritual death. A permanent separation from God. Isaiah the prophet wrote, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that you will not hear. So we've looked at the diagnosis and the prognosis. So what about the prescription or remedy? Well, we turn again to Isaiah and the second reading that you'll find on your service sheets. I'm going to read from the second one of those verses. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Note, by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. 
Each one of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus himself is the only medication in order to be cured and have eternal life. Medication for eternal life costs us nothing. It's a free gift from God, freely dispensed by the grace of God. But the cost to Jesus himself was great. By his stripes we are healed. Not from physical illness, but from spiritual death. So Jesus is indeed the great physician. So, as I draw to a close, there's a couple of points I'd like to make to summarise things. And perhaps prompt us to think about where we are and what we can do to point Jesus to Je- point people to Jesus as Matthew did. Unlike the Pharisees, Jesus didn't require people to change before coming to him. We change because we've come to him. He sought them out, met them where they were, and extended grace to them in their own particular circumstances. Whilst the scribes and Pharisees focused on separating themselves from sinners and keeping themselves spiritually pure, Jesus shattered all boundaries between clean and unclean, righteous and sinners. He did so because that was the only way to heal the sick and bring back the lost. He showed us that cultural norms cannot dictate whom we evangelise. The sick need a physician. Lost sheep need a shepherd. And finally, like a doctor, the only way that someone can be cured is if they realise there's a problem in the first place and actually seek out a physician. Now, God has called us to be his representatives in this world. Yes, to be alongside people and share God's love, but also to share with them the gospel and help them come to a point where they turn themselves to the great physician. Amen.